0: Tonight, it's Ellen Shadburn's high school theater department is very ambitious. It's Sweeney Todd versus a chorus line.
1: This is musical theater death match.
0: Musical, musical, musical theater death match. And man require than love, sir. More than love, sir. What, sir? Tits
2: and ass can change
1: your life. They sure change mine.
0: Welcome, friends, to Musical Theatre Deathmatch. This is the podcast where two recovering theatre kids we're going to pit two musicals against each other and try to determine which is the better show. My name is Andrew Favaloro. I'm Kelsey Goldman. <sighs> and this is... I already said that. So, yeah. That's life. Uh Kelsey, how have you been? I'm given to understand you were recently on vacation.
1: I was was I recently on vacation? I was recently on vacation. I took a week off work and for half that week I just chilled at home because pandemic. <laughs> And then for the other half of that week, I went to New Jersey with some of my pod people. Um, Those are both people I do podcasts with and people who are in my pandemic pod.
0: And neither of those were me, but that's fine. Uh, Which is funny because I was also in New Jersey, also with my pod. And (laughs) for, for reasons we're about to get into in a minute, both podcasting and like... Life partner situations. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it turns out that like being cooped up in an apartment for too long is like psychologically damaging. Who yeah. Would have guessed?
1: Yeah. So I did that. Um, uh, my summer has been basically, you know, the last past few months. Uh, I got really into hockey this year. So I've been watching a lot of hockey in the past two months because Stanley Cup finals are right now. So that's been my life, just like TV and hockey and Zoom
0: chats. That's interesting. I I assumed that the hockey was not a new revelation. I just assumed I was learning about it for the first time because I have recently kicked up my Twitter activity. And I just assumed you were always tweeting about hockey 24 I mean, I've been
1: pretty much always tweeting about hockey since last October. So it's like not that new. But uh, this was like the first season starting, like when the season started back last October that I was like, I'm going to watch hockey this year. And so I did. And now I'm on hockey Twitter. And nice. you just have to deal with it. <laughs>
0: and, and I do, I do mm. deal with it. But, but enough out of us, let's introduce our guest who last time we had a guest on the show, it was the I- executive producers of our heart. But this time it is the actual, honest to goodness love of my life. It is my wife, Ellen Shadburn, who is sitting 15 feet away from me in a different room, recording on a different microphone for reasons we don't need to get into. Ellen, welcome to the program.
1: Hi, honey. This is gross. I didn't sign up for this. Get used to it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. How have you been? Thanks for
2: having me. Well, you know, because we live together. We do. And due to, you know, pandemic reasons are pretty much inseparable. That's been great. Yeah, you know, I'm good. I'm working. I'm starting up class. I do class. That's a thing that I do. And we also spent some time in New Jersey at the beach, which was, like, so good for my soul. Andrew and I hadn't seen people in six months. And as he said, it turns out that is bad for you. It And in my case, it was very bad. So, yes, really, really awesome just to, to see family and also breathe fresh beach air that is not Brooklyn air. Yeah.
1: That's good. That's good.
0: This is the... Previous pod and pod situation I was referring to. My wife is on the podcast,
1: guys. (laughs) I'm very happy for you.
0: Good joke, honey. Thank you. I was proud of it. Kelsey set me up and I was like, let's roll with this. All right. Should we get started on a showdown? I think we should. Kelsey, would you like to remind us of the rules of the showdown for people who haven't listened to our previously unreleased episode? (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) So the rules of the showdown are we will start with a brief historical introduction to both shows. And then we will discuss amongst ourselves the pros and cons of each show one by one. That may lead to some other, you know, sidetrack conversations, but, you know, we're just going to go with the flow. And then when we're ready, we'll call for a vote and decide who is the winner of the death match.
0: Indeed. And I am going to kick off with the first show, uh, which is entitled A Chorus Line chorus line opened off-broadway at the public theater which was then called the new york shakespeare festival in 1975 it was actually a very workshop kind of process it turns out that they interviewed a lot of dancers to kind of come up with a lot of the source material a lot of the monologues some inspiration for the songs and in the end with music by marvin hamlish lyrics by edward Cleveland. Clevin, maybe, and a book by James Kirkwood Jr. and Nicole, or Nicholas Dante, um, we came up with this story, which was about a group of 19 dancers, all auditioning for the same eight spots, four boys and four girls, and the show kind of tracks the story of each individual auditioner as they get cut or move on we learn about their backstories we learn about how they came to be here the show moved to Broadway in 1976 and in that year it was nominated for 12 Tonys in 10 different categories Uh, it won nine of those categories including best musical and the only one it did not win was costumes it also that year won the Pulitzer Prize for drama since then there was a film adaptation in 1985 It was revived on Broadway in 2006, along with a bunch of other touring casts and West End casts. Notable cast members of A Chorus Line include Kelly Bishop, who, as we all know, is Emily Gilmore from Gilmore Girls. She was in the original Broadway cast, as was Patti LuPone's brother, Robert, who played the director, Zach. And then also in the 2006 revival, Gabrielle Ruiz played Diana. Uh, You might know her name as Valencia from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And the last thing I want to say about A Chorus Line is that it was considered, or it was the longest running show in Broadway history until Cats overtook it in 1997. That's everything I have to say about Chorus Line. Take it away, Kelsey.
1: Um, okay, our second show is Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Um, this is the show uh, by Stephen Sondheim, music and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, premiered on Broadway in 1979, it was nominated for Tonys in nine categories, and it won eight of them. It had had several adaptations, Broadway in 1979, a revival in 89, and then a revival in 06, which is the version that I will be mostly working off of, as it's the one that I've seen when it toured the U.S., as well as another off-Broadway revival in 2017, and the both loved and hated Johnny Depp, Helena Bonham Carter, Tim Burton, I assume, with those people. I didn't actually look that up. (laughs) Yes, adaptation. (laughs) You were right. Adaptation, (laughs) film adaptation in two thousand seven. The you know iconic two roles are Miss Lovett and Sweeney Todd, played wonderfully in the original Broadway cast by Angela Lansbury and Victor Garber.
0: Um, Uh, uh, Sorry, Victor Garber was not Sweeney Todd. (laughs)
1: Oh, who, who was he in? Was he the judge?
0: Victor Garber no, he was, was Anthony.
1: Because back then he was yeah, a young he been boy young, he who been played young. like ingenue boys. It was oh, weird. weird. And what's wild about it is he would make such a great Sweeney Todd now. He would make a great Sweeney Todd now. Okay, so anyway, played. it doesn't matter because <laughs> Mrs. Lovett is played by Angela Lansbury, and that's all that matters. Obviously. obviously. <laughs> in one of her more iconic roles, even though she has so many. In the 2006 version, which I haven't seen the Broadway version, but was an interesting uh, revival in general, um, Michael Servers played Sweeney and Patti LuPone played Lovett. It's a very Sondheimian (laughs) casting. (laughs) Yeah, so there have been some really interesting, interesting adaptations. There's a lot of concert versions. You know, everyone, there's a lot of actors who like to do Sondheim and find a way to do Sondheim if they can. But we'll get more into that. I think I'm not going to list everybody. Um, yeah, I think the the if we're talking about you know the the plot, this is based on a penny dreadful from the mid the mid 19th century. Uh, the actual show is set in the late 18th century in London, and it's you know very macabre and and um, it's doing a very specific thing that a penny dreadful would do. And I think that's interesting and fun to think about. And I think we can get into the discussing of, you know, pros and cons now. Um,
0: Well, well, before we get into that, Ellen, you are the guest on this episode. Do you want to talk to us about your personal connection to these two shows?
2: How long do I have?
0: As long as you want. In the end, it's going to get edited down to what I think is a reasonable length anyway.
2: I have deeply personal connections to both of these musicals. What a surprise. The title of this episode is Ellen's High School Theater Department is Too Ambitious, and that is true. My high school theater department did both of these shows while I was in high school there. Sweeney Todd is a great introduction, was the first play that I was in ever. I, was, uh, I came to theater a little bit late in my life, given that I, I I now work in theater; it's my career. But you know, I had been into music and had had been a singer up until you know high school, and I sort of finally started getting the nerve to audition for musicals. And Sweeney Todd was the first one that I got into the fall of my sophomore year, and there were several things about it that were such an, a special experience to me. You know, the personal level is at the time. I remember myself being sort of a lot shyer and quieter than I am now. And I sort of think about that time in my life as the moment when I really, like, met theater people and, like, came out of my shell. Because you can't not be around crazy fucking theater people who are... Am I allowed to curse on this? Oh, heck yes. Great. Awesome. Because I will be.
0: (laughs) This is the show where there's a song called Tits and Ass in it. Like, it's kind of unavoidable. Just
2: just checking. Okay. For the kids at home, sorry. Sorry. Um, yeah, you know, there there were just wild fucking people in this show who were just so, like, expressive and gregarious and, like, all over the fucking place and full of energy. And um that was, like, not me at the time, but it sort of helped me come into my own skin a little bit. So I sort of have a very personal connection with it for that reason, that it introduced me to this whole world of people that I I knew I wanted to work with for the rest of my life. So... That's really special. Another aspect of this show that was really important to me, I, I think as a as a young person, you know, I was 15 when I was in this to have an adult say, like, I trust you with the content of this fucking crazy show. It, it is really meaningful and you know, I was just in the ensemble. I wasn't like anyone special. And by the way, because my high school was enormous, the cast of every musical was literally 80 people. I'm not joking. So I was in like a 70 person ensemble. (laughs) But, you know, I I think the fact that this was a show that dealt with really dark, but also important themes and that this adult in my life like trusted us with that and And really brought us into what we were doing and why we were doing it and what story we were telling was really meaningful to me at the time. And this director, by the way, ended up uh, going on to direct Equus after this. And I was his assistant director. So, yes, course line and Sweeney Todd don't even get at the extent of um, (laughs) my high school theater department's ambition. So that was just a really special time uh, where I found new parts of myself I discovered a new passion and like we were telling an important story too like it wasn't we weren't just doing some frivolous musical it was really something quite meaningful and with depth um I think that's what I love about this musical is that it's really it's doing something that not a lot of musicals do which is like going to a really dark place Um, it's a it's really something the form does not engage with a lot so I think that's Sweeney Todd. Um, it'll always hold a special place in my heart as my very first <laughs> theatrical experience.
0: That's great. That's great. And who did you play in A Chorus Line?
2: Well, funny you should say that. I was not in A Chorus Line. A Chorus Line was, back up, the first show I ever auditioned for and did not get into um, because I can't God, dance. I hope you got it. Or, God, I <laughs> hope you got it. Or at least back then... Um, certainly could not. I like ended up, I've been in dancey shows before, like later on in college, I was in cabaret. Like I've done. But like, like A Chorus Line is a show for dancers. It is. It is for sure. It's not,
1: it's not just a dancey show. Like I think that's what's, not to interrupt you, sorry, but I think that's what's great about A Chorus Line is that like it was a show made by dancers for dancers. And I think even in the initial version of it, like you didn't have names Mm -hmm. playing playing these parts Mm -hmm. like the people playing the parts were ensemble members Mm -hmm. like yeah anyway Mm -hmm. sorry
2: (laughs) no you're you're totally right so um you know here I was this like musician singer like (laughs) coming to audition for this thing it probably wasn't the best fit but um I you know I don't know what prompted me to audition for this I think I had seen the musical before I think it was Oklahoma and I'd always loved musical theater but I never I'd never really seen myself doing it or into it until like someone I don't know someone must have told me about this audition so I did it and I was <laughs> I was saying to Andrew earlier the audition song was one and because my high school is enormous and like I said 80 person casts there were probably over 100 people at that first audition and they didn't stop in between songs like they just after everyone sang the first like whatever it was 16 bars of one he just kept playing the vamp in between and then we just kept going and I never wanted to hear that song ever again um I bet yeah uh but it was really fun still the the dance portion was to god I hope I get it which was incredibly appropriate and all of us just couldn't stop joking about it I just remember being really sort of excited about it and I was definitely bummed when I didn't get in, but, you know, I went out for Sweeney Todd the next semester anyway, so it was fine. And also, you know, not to, like, brag or gloat or whatever, but when I got the lead my senior year in the musical, the person who directed that show was, like, doing my makeup, and he was like, well, why didn't you audition for my show? And I was like, I did.
1: (laughs) I'm trying to imagine Sweeney Todd with an 80-person ensemble. (laughs) Like, I feel like that show doesn't really lend itself to that, but... I think you should
0: spend more time trying to imagine a chorus line with an 80-person ensemble.
1: (laughs) That also would not go well. Yeah, basically (laughs) they, they,
2: you know, they had the, like, 19 main people, and then they brought out the rest of the ensemble for, like, one and four. Like, basically the beginning and the end, and that's it. So um, the ensemble was in like two numbers. But in any case, Chorus Line also sort of came to take on, brought like deeper meaning for me. I ended up going to work at the public theater as my first job out of college. And, you know, I already sort of had this connection with this musical. And A Chorus Line was this, it wasn't the first play at that downtown space. I think it was the second one, but it was a really meaningful, like foundational play for this theater that I really came to love so much. And it ran forever on Broadway. And the reason why the public has a pension plan is because of the profits they got from this, this insanely long running play that they got in a theater for basically no rent. So it's kind of an incredible story. And, you know, we were there during the 40th anniversary. So we had we got to sort of experience a couple of cool milestones like they had a, a gala honoring Marvin Hamlish, full of just really spectacular performances and of course it was also at the time that Hamilton was there and so there's this there are videos online of this at the end of a that nice performance the ensemble of Hamilton comes out and Hamilton is a very ensemble heavy show and they come out with their headshots just like in a chorus line and you see them sort of you know, put it, pulling them up the way that they do in the show. And it's incredible. So they, they sang what I did for love. Um, and then they brought out the original cast and I was crying a lot. It was, it was amazing, but really, um, and this is like such, this is meaningful to me, but it's also like partly teenage angst. Um, When I was in high school, you know, I remember a distinct moment where I sort of had to make a choice between science and theater, (laughs) Um, just in terms of like how I spent my time. And I just remember that song, What I Did for Love, being like a huge, pivotal, (laughs) life-changing moment for me of like, oh, this is clearly where my passions are. I am clearly going to be doing theater for the rest of my life this is what I did for love. Like, this is the choice that I make. So I still very much associate A course Line with that choice of how I was going to spend my time and, and eventually my, my career. So A course Line, everyone, that's it.
1: <laughs> excellent, very excellent. Nice. Before
0: we start discussing the shows one-on-one, I have a new segment I'd like to introduce. And I guess technically every segment is new because the show isn't released yet, but still. <laughs> this is a segment I'm currently t- entitling Ben Brantley's Burn Book. Uh, um, I have here three different reviews of different productions of either a chorus line or Sweeney Todd. I'm going to read you the review with a couple of key pieces of information redacted, and I'm going to have you guys try to guess which they are for. <laughs> this is fun. Let's play, let's let's do play some it. Ben Brantley Burn, burn Book. <clears throat> the conservative word for this show might be tremendous or perhaps terrific redacted new style musical opened last night and the reception was so shattering that it is surprising if by the time you read this the theater is still standing it was that kind of reception and it is that kind of a show
1: chorus line i think i think the the what 2005 revival of chorus line maybe I don't know. oh
2: i didn't realize we could be doing revivals um. too that didn't occur to me I literally thought it was only... Or, wait, is it only original
1: no. productions? No, because Ben Brantley was not reviewing there, There's them. a
0: revival in there. Uh, sorry, I should say. They are not necessarily all written by Ben Brantley because some of them do have to dig a little bit further back into the archives.
1: Okay.
2: So was this Frank Rich or something? Anyway. I,
1: I, I agree that that one is a chorus line. If it's not a chorus line, I'll be very... Then it has to be the the 2005 staging of no, Sweet No, it's Todd. definitely...
0: It is a chorus line. Um, I, I just... I was very upset because they keep being like, public theater, public theater, Hamlet. And I'm like, ah, God, like, so much redaction. All right, (sighs) next. Yet, with so much to occupy our ears and eyes and so much to respect, there is an uncomfortable void in the evening. To my mind, a most serious one. The story, as told, leaves us restive and unabsorbed. It also leaves us puzzled as to why the creators went to so much trouble to tell it. Strangely, events are thinned out, interrupted, sometimes halted by the use of music
1: interesting I feel like that's also a chorus line <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it could be too because like because of the way that the story like the because the, the course line story isn't like a linear story really exactly, like it's not yeah it's the the narrative is not you know that and it is interrupted by the use of music it a is lot. it is yeah But
0: it's also, like, this
1: is hard, Andrew.
0: (laughs) It's Sweeney Todd. This is from a 1979 review entitled Ah. Is Sweeney on Target by Walter Kerr. Um, By the way, the previous one was from Mm. 1975. It's obviously the Off-Broadway run. Uh, That was called A Tremendous Chorus Line Arrives, written by Clive Barnes. All right, our third... Clive Barnes. Our third and final review, this one, is actually a Ben Brantley. Watching the show, directed by director. It's like drinking from a pitcher of draft beer. You never repeat the tang or sting of that first swig. But since that initial swallow is so ambrosial, let us savor it. Because anyone who wants to know why this show was such a big deal when it opened in the year when it opened need only experience the first scene of this revival
1: chorus yeah, line yeah I think there, I think it's a chorus line it's 2006 a chorus line the first scene it is, scene? T- it yeah. is 2006 yeah. a chorus
0: line he did not like that production guys <laughs> no really
2: I think I remember that because I saw that production and I, I remember I feel like him not liking it but it's yeah. Ben yeah. Brantley so
1: so so whatever. I I've actually never seen a chorus line <laughs> just putting that mm-hmm. out there we should fix that I mean I'd like to yes um <laughs> but the 2006 revival cast is the like the my version you know like the one you listen to so like that's the that's the version i know
0: uh well let's let's use that as a jumping off point to start talking about chorus line i actually remember when ellen and i first started dating one of the first things i did is i said hey uh we should send each other musicals that mean a lot to us and i sent her Susicle and she responded with a hell of a left hook and (laughs) sent me a chorus line (laughs)
2: Wow, that was uh, the sent first me thing I sent you. that and Lacajo
0: full and I can't remember what the third one was.
2: Good choice, Ellen. <laughs> pass pass Ellen. me. The porcelain <laughs> album
0: is very interesting, and it took me a long time to like reconcile this. But when you listen to the album, you kind of do lose track of who is who and like whose stories are who. It kind of seems like it's just one person telling a story after another after another, and it it doesn't really seem like there's a story to it. It wasn't until a few years ago that we saw a couple of friends of ours in a production that I, like, really got the full chorus line experience. That's where I want to start.
1: I think that, like, I am i don't have the full chorus line experience, though I there was, like, a period of, like... Probably like my senior year of high school where I was listening to that cast album over and over and over and over again. Cause the like the songs are so singular and character driven and like And all of them are great. they most of them are great.
2: <laughs> most?
1: Oh, I wanna I wanna hear the exception. Mm-hmm. I don't think Gimme the Ball is great. I don't think the fourth montage is great. Oh, okay. Other yeah. than that, they're mostly great. Like
2: I, I mean, it's pretty Amazing how every single one is just like yeah. incredible. Montage
1: <laughs> montages part three and four are like the the low point mm-hmm. musically for me, but it's so hard to follow. Hello, love, and also yeah. nothing. Like you, yeah. like to follow nothing. Nothing is like,
2: yeah, amazing, so
1: good, <laughs> 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 like. It's just like you're you're going to have a low point somewhere and it's like in the middle it's fine it's chill it can be there and then you end like on a real high note but yeah like it's like it the like all the songs are so good and so Singular, and I actually don't feel like you lose the characters because of because of that. Like mm-hmm. when you're listening to it, because like you can tell that the person who's singing nothing is the same person who's singing what I did for love. I think that through line comes through just in the way the lyrics are written, the way the music is written. I think it's in the way it's performed even auditorially. I think it's just really yeah. But like,
0: great. there's a crucial moment that just like doesn't come across in the album. At all, which is that right before what I sang for love is Paul, who I think doesn't have a song, he only has a monologue, breaks his leg. And that's what, like, Mm -hmm. forces everybody to kind of stop and contemplate what's going on.
1: It's heartbreaking. Well, I didn't know that because I haven't seen the show. (laughs) It's really, I mean, they all
2: end up sort of sitting around, like, he he breaks his leg because, Mm -hmm. yeah. And then they haul him off. And then you're left with the remaining dancers in this sort of rare moment of silence. And they're all like oh, fuck, like, what would we all do if we couldn't dance? Dancing is what we do. Like, how would we handle that? And that is what What I Did for Love comes out of. And it is such a singularly beautiful theatrical moment that, like, is making me cheer up <laughs> as, as I speak.
1: Um, yeah. It's incredible. I, I feel like, you know, this is, I don't know if this should be some sort of metric on our general scale, but I think A Chorus Line maybe has the most numbers per capita that i want to do at karaoke <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> like like i don't I, I don't know how to like express that the way i want to but like honestly like doing at the ballet at karaoke with you and emily ellen is like one of my like top karaoke experiences that was great it was a good <laughs>
0: yeah. night you and, I, you and i for a while wanted to do sing at karaoke but they never had it
1: yeah yeah that would have been that they would have never been end- great yeah. I mean like I and, love I just yeah. love all the songs in the show. They're so fucking good.
2: <laughs> can we can we call it the karaoke quotient? <laughs> yes, the can karaoke. Can we call it the karaoke quotient. quotient and like bring it back as a this recurring a segment? Karaoke quotient T M T M.
1: <laughs> yeah, this song has a very high karaoke quotient. What
0: would you say is your number one karaoke song from Chorus Line, Kelsey?
1: The thing is, like, this is, like, what I would like to do, but I know that I do not have the range, but I might do it anyway because that's who I am. Um, I love the music in the mirror Mm -hmm. so much. It's amazing. It's so good. I've done, I think I've done Dance 10 Mm -hmm. Looks 3. That's a great karaoke song. Yeah, but the music in the mirror is, like, I think a really kind of an overlooked song from the show, honestly. And it's just so good. And Charlotte Dumbo's performance, of it on the in the 2006 revival is just like really heart-wrenching and wonderful and I yeah I think that's probably
2: it's an incredible moment in the show too like it's a it's her sort of peak of like again like there's a theme here of like um you know the director is telling her um you are too good to be in the chorus like what are you doing at this audition and she's like I've tried, I can't get ro- I can't do it and I just need to dance. Like I can't I can't not dance. I'll do it in any form. I don't care. And so it comes at this emotional peak and because the performer is such a freaking virtuoso, they are not they are <laughs> singing this number and also doing this incredible there's like a dance sequence. And so they're singing yeah. this number fucking out of breath as shit. <sighs> And like, it's just, um, it's really like, Kelsey, you got to see the show.
1: <laughs> one day. Again, I would have if I could have, but here I we know. are. <laughs> one day.
2: We're going to do it. Um, I want you to see it because it's an incredible Ellen, what,
0: what would your number one karaoke song be?
2: You know, I, I don't think I even realized it until we were just listening to it before now, but definitely nothing. Mm-hmm.
1: Nothing is so great. Incredible. Like, and, like, you, I, could, you could really get into karaoke with nothing. Like, mm-hmm. there's, like, there's some body work to be done there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, that one.
0: I think Definitely. the moment I fell in love with Corey's line was, and, you know, it's song number two, but uh, I can do that.
1: Oh, fucking so good. Would
0: just be so, so much fun to do at good. karaoke. It's, like,
1: this, this is also, like... The songs I want, uh, I have, like, another list in my head, you know, songs I want to do karaoke to. The other list I have in my head is songs I want ice skaters to skate to. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and excellent. last last season, there was a musical theme in Ice Dance, and, like, I Can Do That is all I wanted. And someone did it, which was very exciting. They did a Chorus Line number, and I Can Do That was part of it, and it's very cute. But, yeah, it's just, like, it's such a good, it's such a good number. It's, yeah. ugh. Yeah, I think I think the songs are just like the thing is like for me the songs are such a strength of this show mm-hmm. which is crazy when the show is a dancer show right. like yep. and I think that really speaks to the whole strength of the whole thing, right? Yep. Because mm-hmm. like the fact that the show holds up on the on the music alone without seeing the dancing is really impressive. Mm-hmm.
0: I will yep. say as far as songs that I don't like from Chorus Line, I just I feel like one is such a flat note to go out on. I feel like it's like just not as Everything you're saying, like, character-driven and insightful and, like, revealing. It's just such a... After you spend so long, like, drilling into the characters in such a fascinating way, I I don't like that one is the note that it ends on.
1: I think that's the point, though. I think that's, like, it's supposed to be ironic, right? You spent all this time, like, learning and knowing these characters just for them to disappear into this oneness of an ensemble. Like, that's what makes it... Like, one, the, the reprise of one makes what I did for love hit harder. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, yeah. you know, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I
0: think it works. I think it works yep. as, like, a story moment, just not as a song for me.
1: It, it it doesn't work as a standalone song as well as a lot of the other songs in the show.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: Well, I never want to hear that song again still, <laughs> so I'm not I'm – not, the best judge, <laughs> but, uh, but I do agree that that's the point, right? Is to fade away into the, and chorus. I
1: think it, like, I honestly do think it brackets, like, I hope I get it really well, like as the opener and the closer of the show. Mm. So I don't know. I think, I think it works, but yeah, I think you're right is that it doesn't work as like a standalone song that you listen to over and over again. Cause it is so repetitive. And that's the
0: point. Right. Does anybody have anything negative to say about a chorus line? Uh this is not Oof. looking good for Sweeney.
2: I, swe- I we can talk about the merits of Sweeney though it's got some merits
1: yeah I mean I think we should because there are some there are a lot of merits and I would like you know yeah because like it depends you know when we're talking about the end it's like what's a better musical what musical mm, do I like I mean more because like there's some interesting things and I'm going to just go ahead and transition into yeah, Sweeney. Yeah, let's do it. Does that feel like a good thing? I think, you know, we're talking about A Chorus Line, and it's, it's it was a very, like, sort of revolutionary format for a musical. Yes. Um, it was doing a lot of interesting things that hadn't been done before. And in a slightly more subtle way, I think Sweeney Todd was too. Absolutely. Specifically with the subject matter of this, this is, you know, this show brought this Penny Dreadful, this pulpy horror like, idea to Broadway, to musical theater, and it hasn't left. Mm-hmm. Not really. Like, without this show, you don't get... I don't know if you get Phantom. You might, but I don't know if you do. You definitely don't get, like, Jekyll and Hyde or, like, Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson or, like, you know, any... any Or, you know, American Psycho. You don't get American Psycho <laughs> without Sweeney Todd. Like, you yeah. don't get Heathers. Like, you know, there's so many shows that owe a debt to this show for bringing this sort of, like, thematic subject matter to the stage and doing it in a way that didn't, like, totally turn people off. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: Um, I also really love that it reclaims this idea of the Greek chorus, of the people who are telling you the story, um, as something that is so core to, like, the the listen. origins of theater. <laughs> yeah.
1: Can we talk about my favorite Sondheim motif ever which is the ballad yes i fucking love that part of his shows when he uses it like the ballad of sweeney todd is a fucking banger like all the ballads in assassins are so good like i love that reclamation of the greek chorus of like this we are telling you the story and the format is not just like you know this is a story on stage but we're telling you it and you're part of it and that's you know and it's kind of perfect
2: for musical theater if you think about it, because, like, I, I don't know, like, there are certainly stories where, like, the chorus is, like, just talking to you, but I think adding the element of the musical really helps you break reality a little bit. It's really, it was really quite brilliant, I think.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, this, this show is so different from A Chorus Line in that, like, A Chorus Line is these moments, these, these one-off songs, and, and Sweeney Todd is really, like, an... A musical experience very operetta it's very Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. um i don't think it's totally sung through but it's close it has some dialogue yeah it has some dialogue but it's like it you know there's there's music every you know right almost every moment and i think um i don't know i i love this show and i think i think a lot of Modern shows owe a debt to this show in a way. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and I think something that's fascinating, especially when you're contrasting this to chorus line is like how singularly Sondheim this is like chorus line to its credit. And like, this is something that really works in chorus line. Chorus line is kind of written by a whole bunch of different people through all their stories and whatever. Mm-hmm. But this is like one guy just taking the helm and his footprint is all over every single piece <laughs> of this. Um, yeah. And it. I think it, like, also, surprise, surprise, Sondheim is good at musicals, really works.
1: I think, like, I think you, you the feeling you get, like, when you, when I personally listen to the music from Sweeney Todd, like, that, that opening, attend the tale of Sweeney Todd, like, you're, like, in it right away, yeah. like, and that's, you know, that's such a gift that Sondheim has, is, like, putting you in this space. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: That was what I did, by the way, in the show. Not the, like, very (laughs) opening line, but, like, the second stanza. That was me.
1: (laughs) Good job. Thank you. Thank you. I bet you were great. Aw, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I think, you know, in some ways I don't – it's hard to see this show as, as like, sort of revolutionary and, and, you know, paradigm shifting as a chorus line. But I think, you know, I think the – the shift sort of was a lot more subtle, but it was there. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when you look, when you look at what we got after this, like you you see it. And I, I almost think that, you know, there's less like a chorus line. Like there was less of, there was less of an intent to recreate that sort of feeling than there was to recreate this sort of feeling, which is something... That's worth talking about, yeah. You know a good that point. that that people tried to emulate this, whereas like a course line was almost like this one off like brilliant thing that maybe can't be emulated, but it was all it also ran forever. So, yeah. <laughs> but I think you don't get those sort of like small cast ensemble heavy character driven stuff. You don't get those till like way later, like which is interesting because like the seventies and eighties, like in Broadway, were like these big huge ensemble, you know, Les Mis shows like right. um so it's interesting that there wasn't you know as much as much as we talk about how revolutionary a chorus line was there didn't seem to be like a huge paradigm shift you know
0: Well actually as long as we're talking about a chorus line's influence on musical theater I have a theory that I'd like to run by you Kelsey Please tell me I think there's another dance show that kind of focuses on character after character after character uh. where <laughs> Where somebody was trying to recreate the feeling of a chorus line and maybe failed miserably, but do you agree with me that Cat is a spiritual successor?
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're all trying to—they're all trying to get to the heavy side layer. That's the whole point. Like, they're trying to get it. The cats are trying to get it. They hope they get it. Oh
0: my God. God, I hope they get it.
1: I hope they get it. No, I. You know what? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But like the the thing is, the thing is that. It does kind of feel like maybe Android Webber is trying to do the same thing mm-hmm. that was done here, but it's just not as successful because he can't not do the, like, big thing. Right. He can't not make it big. It's also, <laughs> like, it, it takes it takes a lot of humility to make a show like A Chorus Line.
2: A, a Chorus Line mm-hmm. is not, it was it was essentially written by the ensemble, right? It, it yeah. came mm-hmm. from very, it was a democratizing show, whereas, like, Andrew Lloyd Webber, and also I think this applies to Sondheim as well. They're very much like singular individuals. This is all about mm-hmm. my great vision, blah, blah, blah. Like, how can you expect to tell a million different stories so authentically when that's that's who you are, you know? Right. Um, I think it takes a really special person
0: oh, to do that. Oh, yeah. there There is no question. If, if this episode were, you know, uh, character-driven d- d- soliloquy song shows... Cat versus a chorus line, like, this, it would be five minutes long and we would vote on a chorus line right away. (laughs) We all know that. Thank you for acknowledging Uh, that.
1: Thank you. Yeah, no, we all know that,
0: yeah. I would like to point out maybe my favorite lyric of all time and definitely my favorite Sondheim rhyme of all time. Please. Which is in the middle of um, A Little Priest, I'll come again when you have judge on the menu. And for whatever reason, I just... I laugh so hard and it makes me smile so big every single time I like. Cause hear it's that objectively
1: song. amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. Um. A, a, little, a Little Priestess is a masterclass in like musical comedy, like wordsmithing. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's so good. And by the way, it's a so...
2: great karaoke song. Yes. Yeah.
1: Very good. I think, you know, if we're talking about karaoke quotient, yeah. <laughs> um, it's it a little bit lower.
0: Well, since you brought it up.
1: It's a little bit lower, but I think the hits are hits, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like, um, Worst Pies in London,
0: mm-hmm. fucking great. Yep. Uh,
1: my, one of my favorite songs from this show, actually, is the all the songs that revolve around Pirelli. I think they're so great. <laughs> Pirelli's Miracle Elixir is a catchy little tune. Yep, It's really fun. And then, like, his whole, like, the contest is whole, is, like... Hi, uh, the Dolph of
2: Pirelli,
0: Pirelli the, the king of the barbers,
1: the, the barber barbers barbers king. It's <laughs> But oh, good day. I blow you It's so incredible. good, and uh, it's the savior of the 2007 movie. I will say, Sacha Baron Cohen is fucking great in that movie yeah. as Pirelli. Um, and I don't, I don't dislike the movie. It's not amazing. Um, yeah. It's badly cast, way. but uh, <laughs> but uh, Sacha Baron Cohen as Pirelli is beautiful well Um, the
0: the other great moment of casting in that movie is alan rickman as judge turpin because nobody will just make you slither in your skin the way that his voice can
1: i think like this is weird because like i'm at a place where like i really think that like i mean i'm I'm not ready to call a vote yet but i think that i (laughs) think the music in this is so wonderfully like tied together but also the characters do have their very specific sounds you know like like all the the songs with with mrs lovett have a very like specific like cadence yeah. and rhyme and 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 motif um and pirelli is the same way and then you know you have anthony. joanna who's this very mm-hmm. operatic soprano um and anthony and you know there's 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 some really masterful composing being done by stephen sondheim obviously <laughs>
0: um, I, I also think it's just so good. I, I really love all the characters. Like, their their arcs are so clear. It is the kind of show that you do get so much from just listening to the album. And I, you know, as, like, a, a kid growing up in the suburbs, I, I didn't go to Broadway until I was, like, in college. Um, This is how I consume my musical theater. Yeah, I, I, I think Sweeney has a special place in my heart. Well, and
1: I reason. think the fact that you do get so much from just listening through the album means... Like, you can do interesting things with, like, staging and, and, mm-hmm. and, and like, versions of the show, which they did do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, to me, that is, like, because I think it'd be really hard to reconfigure a course line in a new way. Yes. Yes, you, know? you can't. You can't really. That's absolutely right. And that's because it is so. It's so singular. It's
2: so. It's singular. It's.
1: It's it's one singular sensation. Based in the
2: stories of these particular. It's a documentary musical. Like it's the story of these particular individuals. Right. Whereas Sweeney Todd has a super eerie timelessness to it. That's so. It really taps into something that's like the dark side of human nature that we all know is there and know is cyclical and mm-hmm. constantly coming back um because of its cyclicality so like mm-hmm. it taps into something that's that as you said is easy to adapt and do in new formats whereas of okay. course they literally call a chorus line sort of documentary style because it's it's about these particular individuals in a per, living in a particular time I feel like
1: um, i I think and- it's it's you know with Sweeney Todd, it's it's such an interesting thing. They the version of it that I have seen is the two thousand five or six revival um that they did, they toured. So I saw it in Louisville. It was um where they played their own instruments when, you know, in yep. 06, <laughs> 07, when they were so fits the Greek chorus theme. I love yeah. it.
2: I, I, I never actually saw it, but I always thought it was such a brilliant idea and
1: Yeah, it's really interesting though, it. but it's really interesting because it's like it's They've done the whole Greek chorus thing, but they've also done it with a very small cast. Like it's just the named characters. Um, Mm -hmm. But there is something so wonderfully spooky about that opening with the person just playing the cello right Mm -hmm. there in front of you. Um,
0: Well, it also helps that there's a giant fucking coffin in the middle of the stage. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It just, it, 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 it has lasting power in a way that a course in like a different way than a course line has lasting power. Like But they're both lasting. They're both lasting. Just it's in just different ways. It's just like a, you know a course line is like this picture into this specific time in nineteen seventy five mm-hmm. in New York, in you know, auditioning for, you know, musicals and, and theater and such. And then, you know and, and that is because of how good it is it will always be relevant <laughs> um, to do that. But Sweeney Todd has this this very like- He's an archetype. It's yeah, this different. mutable ability to be like reconfigured and, and, mm-hmm. and redone in interesting ways. Um, yeah,
0: that, that's actually what like the rest of that review that I read goes on to say is that like the first scene is so good, it's going to remind you of what the original version was. But like the rest of the production is pretty much a carbon copy- of the original production. It doesn't add anything new to it. Why did we revive it? Mm. Uh, and I Because think... people
1: still want to see it.
0: <laughs> well, people still want to see it, but I think that it's... Like, it's exactly what you're saying. It's so much harder to do something new and inventive with it whereas uh sweeney's authorial voice basically is like so strong that you can do whatever you want to around it it's the same way that you can take any shakespeare play and say no this one takes place in 1920s gangland chicago um
1: i mean that's the thing right it's shakespearean like it's greek it's you know it is it's 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 tapping into something it's it's so old that it's new right yeah yeah (laughs) um and I think that yeah. like that's a really interesting thing for it to be doing, yeah. Because um, there's tragedy and there's blood and you know it takes it takes that whole like sort of Shakespearean thing and brings it and then adds like the sort of pulp horror thing to it, and that's like it's right. it's brilliance I think. I because I I truly do think if Sweeney Todd was not as successful as it was, we never would have gotten so many shows, um, mm-hmm. that are like gory <laughs> in yeah. in in ways. So. But it's also funny. <laughs>
2: like, yeah, like like it's, it's darkly funny. Um, it's, it's not this, just like gore, you know, it's it's like, Oh, I can enjoy this. What's wrong with me if I enjoy this? You know, it, it there's a, a dimension of that.
1: Yeah, it's this very dark comedy and you laugh and then you're like, Wait, should I be laughing? Exactly. Wait, he's terrible. Wait, I feel sorry for him. Am I supposed to empathize with him? Like and, and I think that's such a brilliant by making yeah. the, you know, the main character of the show, like a bad dude is an interesting thing. A broken dude, I would say. I mean, he's, I mean,
2: bad. He's bad. And broken. <laughs>
0: all right. Well, I think that may or may not conclude the we all fight portion of my next year. <laughs> I
2: can't. Um,
0: really, really fast. I guess we, we did this a little bit for a chorus line, but if you had to pick one song to do karaoke from Sweeney Todd, I'll start. Can you imagine bringing down the house with the Epiphany? That's what I'm gonna try to do.
1: I am. <laughs> um, yeah, that's very that's a very Andrew choice for uh, <laughs> for karaoke. Like I can see that happening. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's got to be a Mrs. Lovett song. It's probably mm-hmm. Worst Pies in London because I feel like I could really own that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not my favorite song from the show. I think my favorite song from the show is probably the. Um, the ballad the like the recurring ballad i love i love a ballad can't wait to talk about assassins it's gonna be so good <laughs> um, but yeah i think it that i i love a ballad in general like the structure of a ballad song like in any in any form in uh listen and and like my favorite kind of ballad is a murder ballad which like the ballad <laughs> of Swinnie todd automatically oh, there you go. is because it's a ballad and it's about murder. <laughs> um, um, so I think that's probably like my favorite song in the show, but there's a lot of good ones, man.
2: I was just, uh, so obviously I think my first go-to is A Little Priest, like I said, but also By the Sea. We didn't even talk about that. It's great.
1: By the Sea. Yeah.
2: It's, that's an excellent karaoke pick. Yeah.
0: To me, that that's the best part of the movie is that scene where like oh, it so keeps weird. transforming them to like more and more. Uh, grandiose scenes by the sea and Sweeney is just sitting there still looking depressed. Yeah, (laughs) There's something very funny about it. One Um, day
2: I'm going to pull out city on fire at karaoke (laughs) and you all are going to just have to be okay with it. Okay. Uh,
0: Oh man. (laughs) Well, uh, I'm going to call, I'm going to call a vote. No. uh, Yeah. It's time to vote. Do you, do you want, what do you want to talk about the parlor songs? Do you want to talk about the wig maker sequence?
1: We have to, we have to pick now, Ellen. Yes. The longer I
2: talk, the longer I can put this off.
0: <laughs> I, I'm going to start. Uh, and here's what I'm going to say is that I came in here um, fully prepared to argue on the merit of like a cohesive story um, that Sweeney just kind of resonates with me more. But honestly, talking about chorus line, like really, really got me going. Uh, I'm, I'm changing my vote. I'm, I'm going to vote a chorus line might might actually win this death match. Kelsey?
1: See, like, I I totally haven't completely decided yet. That's
0: that's unfortunate, because as someone recently just said, you have to choose. I
1: know. (laughs) It's, okay, so this is really hard, because when I I think about it it, as, like, contributions to musical theater, I feel like they're pretty, like, even. When I think about, like, what they mean to me, they're also pretty even. Mm -hmm. This is really hard. (laughs) Yup.
2: That's what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> I think that for its singularity, for its inability to be, you know, because because I will say that I love this show uh, of Stephen Sondheim's, and it's wonderful, and it does so much, and it introduces so much to musical theater canon that I think is important. But I don't think mm-hmm. it's Sondheim's best show. Mm-hmm. Um, so... And actually, what I think is sometimes best show draws a lot more from a chorus line than I am, huh? <laughs> than I am, than I currently realized. Um, so I think I'm gonna have to go with the chorus line.
0: Oh, interesting. So Ellen's vote doesn't even matter. You can say whatever you want and a chorus line wins, Ellen.
1: Oh
2: man. Sorry. I, <laughs> the- I-, I love a chorus line and I'm simultaneously so sad. <laughs> do i still have does this mean i I don't have to vote
0: no it means you have to vote but it does also Uh. mean that you can vote you can vote your conscience you can say i'm i'm voting for sweeney todd and also you will have contributed to a chorus line winning that's like kind of the best of both Mm -hmm. worlds situation
2: i think that's what i've got to do i can't let sweeney todd go down without a fight um yeah
1: i i I like that for you (laughs) yeah
2: yeah i'm i'm going with sweeney um with so much love to a chorus line that that all I said before and how much it means to me and the contributions which I agree were incredibly significant to musical theater I think Sweeney Todd you know I always like to say I you know I started doing musicals but I only really like like substantive musicals and these are two of the most (laughs) substantive musicals um out there and Sweeney Todd I think so much more than I think the fact that it dares to tackle such deep subjects is so special um and important to me um in in any musical. Um, and i and I think you're right, Kelsey. I think it really paved the way for other musicals to do the same thing. So
1: I'm gonna go with Sweeney Todd. actually realizing that a chorus line came out after my favorite Sondheim musical. So perhaps <gasps> the opposite direction. <laughs> really. <laughs> Yes.
0: Is that true? Assassins it came out, out before? Oh, in 7... No. My, not
1: my favorite Sondheim musical, the best Sondheim musical.
0: <laughs> oh, you're right. Sorry. Of course, you're referring to um, uh, Merrily We Roll Along. My bad. Okay, no. so I guess that's the end of the episode and we're going to mute Kelsey before she can say anything that's else. Wrong.
1: That's not the best Sondheim musical. We will talk about this later <laughs> on, a, on a future episode when Andrew and I just fight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, interesting. I thought you were. I thought you were trying to say that assassins borrowers from course line but you were saying I feel company, like trying to say
1: company yeah i was saying company because yeah, I, mean, okay. I think that, that it does but it came out before it came out yeah it, the, yeah, it was uh, 1970 interesting so maybe there's maybe there's some talk for uh line borrowing from company <laughs> wow that's so interesting yeah i'm trying to see when assassins did come out though uh it
0: was 90.
1: in the 90s right yeah
0: i think it was 1990.
1: Wow, that's so late. Because it's after Reagan got shot, right?
0: It would kind of have to be.
1: Yeah. Not necessarily. He could have written it before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I don't um, remember if Reagan shooter is in it.
0: <laughs> squeaky from? No, she is shot the... she shot forward. Okay. Uh it wasn't right uh, there's the there you go again there you go again yeah, that okay. that's the Reagan shooting yeah. the the like um, the
1: ones from the six the 70 like the ones after JFK get confusing <laughs> in, that in any show. case
0: we have hit the point in our show where uh we're gonna well there's just a big blank space here but it's for plugs and recommendations if anybody feels the need to plug or recommend anything now's the time i'd like to plug my twitter i am active on twitter now i post about two jokes a week some of them are pretty bad you should follow me my twitter is ad Fav it like andrew douglas favaloro um
1: i mean if we're plugging our twitters i'm way more active on twitter than andrew um, but i mostly make jokes about sports um so that's where i am occasionally other things too you know uh, I'm at Kelsey Rebecca. You can find me there. But if we're actually plugging things, you should listen to my other podcast. It's called Ruin My Life. It's with uh, our good friend Jason Edwards, who will be on this this show eventually, um, where we introduce each other to pieces of media, food, other things that have ruined our lives and ruin each other's lives. Um, there should be a new episode sometime soon. You know, we're, we're, it, we've are we're been at this four years Pandemic really got us off the schedule, but you know, it's coming. We have a plan. There's a the most recent episode is very good. It's about the season 1 of The Simpsons. My friend Brie is on it. Um, highly recommend.
0: I liked that episode. That's good.
1: Yeah, she was she was a really good guest.
0: She knows a lot about The Simpsons. <laughs> she does. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: Ellen, do you have anything you want to plug?
2: No. Okay, but no, actually, (laughs) um, I do think the title of this episode is Ellen's High School Musical Theater Department is Too Ambitious, and so I do think a thank you to my teachers is appropriate in this case. I'm eternally grateful to James Bohanek, who directed Sweeney Todd, later, later Equus that I worked on with him. Incredibly influential to me. And I forgive you for not casting me, Robert Elman, As you can tell from this show, if you ever listen to this, uh, it was clearly still incredibly influential in my life. But here's a, th- a thing to plug. Go vote.
0: Yeah, that's uh, I was actually thinking we need a good closing tagline, Kelsey. Should our closing tagline be go vote?
1: You should go vote. Yes
0: kind of like we do on this show. Exactly, anyway. it's
1: thematic.
0: Um, well, we hope you'll join us next time on a very special Halloween musical theater deathmatch where it'll be adaptations of Halloween movies. It's the Adams Family musical versus Beetlejuice. Good night, go vote. Go, go vote. vote. What more can man require more than love, sir? More than love, sir? What, sir? Tits and ass
2: can change your life.
0: That's all I needed. I just needed to get Kelsey's laughing reaction to that.
1: I just hadn't heard the second part.
0: Oh yeah, no, I'm gonna update it every time. Get used to some mashups.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: He's so pleased with himself. I
1: can tell. He was so I, pleased with himself when he sent me like the first part. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty ecstatic about uh, the second part.
0: The mm-hmm. the other one I almost did was, "Diddle a diddle a attend the tale of Sweeney Todd." Again, attend the tale of Sweeney Todd. <laughs> Again, attend the tale of Sweeney uh. Todd. That would,
1: that would be funny too. I would enjoy that. <laughs>